Welcome to Real Politic Podcast. Uh, Hello. With me, Yair, and Jack, of course, as Hello. usual. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> Excellent to be back on the hype. Doing a typical film roundup. Well, it's actually somewhat atypical because we we somewhat planned it ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and actually both watched a lot of the same films. So. Exactly. So, yeah, I, <laughs> there's going to be a couple. A lot of them were just coincidentally we happened to watch them. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's going to be a couple that, like, I watched years ago uh, <laughs> and Yaya watched, like, days ago. But I think, actually, for the most part, the films we're discussing are going to be as fresh in my mind as, you know, anything is fresh in my adult brain. So <laughs> let's just, uh, I, I mean, we might, we may as well talk, yeah, about the main, what the fuck? Uh, we may as well talk films, <laughs> I guess. A little little table of contents or something. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Well, we know who the hard left are. We're in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation because of the hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 I mean, we've got this big thing where we're going to compare two films, but should we maybe do like an individual film first? So, <laughs> uh, do, you, do you want to move on to the Michael Bay gem? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's <laughs> let's do this, man. Let's do fucking Michael Bay. What was it like? A couple months or a month or so after doing. A wonderful releasing a fantastic film by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, Netflix has followed that up with another big name director. Yeah, <laughs> an auteur of equal stature, I'd say. Yeah, Michael Quite. Bay has returned to Netflix <laughs> with his new film Three Six Mafia. Wait, no, Three Six Mafia is an American hip hop group from Memphis, Tennessee, formed in 1991. The new film is called <laughs> Six Underground. <laughs> Where did that mix-up come from? <laughs> it wasn't a genuine mix-up. I, uh, I okay. thought it was. I keep, yeah, I keep forgetting what the film's called, and so I just basically got Three Six Mafia in my head, and then I was like, no, it's not. That. <laughs> it just sounds like that. This it's not about trains either. It's not like a late period Tony Scott homage. This is <laughs> what is it about, Yaya? From what I could gather, 
It's sort of like a heist film in the way it's set up. Yeah. And essentially, they're just trying to kill some dictator. And they all have to... I guess the title comes because they have to fake their own deaths for some reason. That was... Yeah, 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 because they're underground. Because they all fake their own deaths and they go underground and they're supposedly dead. And then because they're underground, they can take care of the real bad guys. You ever wonder what it would be like if you could do the job that you were put on this earth to do? You could take out some truly evil people. Not people that the government tells you are evil because based on, um, you know, policies or politics and bureaucracy or trade relations or any of that shit. No, I'm talking truly world-class evil motherfuckers. I can help you go after those guys. And I will never tell you to not pull that trigger and there's six of them yeah. there's always six of them but <laughs> out of honor of the ones of them who get killed that when a new guy joins the team he's like seven that, <laughs> that's not really that relevant a plot point i don't think i just thought i was just trying to be helpful it shows that you were paying much closer attention than me. <laughs> I don't know. Clearly. I was trying. I was trying, but uh, I just... Uh, so the, it, thing, uh, the yeah. things I got from the film were A, Baby Driver was really successful, and so you, you, do, a, <laughs> a, you do a car chase in like a naff-looking, brightly coloured car, and you have a lot of shite songs playing <laughs> like synced up with the action like in baby driver yeah so i so I, my the first my for the like the the opening bravura 20 minute car chase scene my <laughs> thoughts on the film were largely like well this is quite exciting but also wow michael bay watched baby driver and he loved it you know? <laughs> uh, because it's such a derivative film it's got all this like guy Ritchie stuff and like all this tarantino stuff obviously the pop culture references we'll get into um, oh my god yeah some of their attempts to appeal to certain audiences shortly i'm sure but it's a typical michael bay film in the the amount of cuts per minute it must be staggering. I was trying. I was basically counting how long each shot went on for, and once you've counted to five, like you're pretty much going to get another shot. Occasionally, <laughs> yeah. like shots are literally like a second long, you know, and then it's another one, then it's another one, then it's another one. Literally, from trying to count, I, I just for a few shots, I got a headache. Like <laughs> it's so overwhelming. And to be fair, and like not even just during the action sequences, just all the time, even no. when they're talking. There's an astonishing amount of visual information in the film. I don't think it's like good information. It's more like like browsing Twitter than reading uh, <laughs> a, a really informative book. You know, you just like barraged with visual information the whole time. He's like, here's a thing. Here's another thing. Here's a thing. None of the things matter that they're things. <laughs> and I will say in vulgar auteur michael bay's defense this film is genuinely cinematic it's pure bay and it's so yeah. fucked that this is on netflix man it's so weird yeah like that it's, opening it, it sequence looks super big budget doesn't it oh huge man like all the stunts on top of buildings <laughs> i genuinely thought when the evil dictator who we can get into in a minute throws all his top generals off a tall building i was like 
sick. Bay, <laughs> I don't know. Did Bay have like actual guys doing really like dangerous stunts there? Because they look pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Colonel Zaga, Niazo, Abdulin, Tahim. You're next in line, gentlemen. Your combined experience is nearly that of your predecessors. But if my general's shoes are to be filled, I need men like you. Like you, but not you. who killed my generals. But I'd be a fool to trust the men who most stood the benefit. So, next man up. Congratulations. But to actually quote Michael Bay, the film, you know, it's all about the scale in terms of ha- how big it is. <laughs> <laughs> Gen- that, that is what scale means. That's a yeah. genuine Michael Bay quote, man. I heard it years ago and it just True, cracked me yeah. up so much. Well, my other favourite one is where he's like says that South Park ripped on him because he fucked one of their girlfriends or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. great guy of Michael Bay. Really self-effacing dude. Um, <laughs> you do get a lot of criticism for your style. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Team America, World Police... You know, mm-hmm. really go I think you. I dated his girlfriend, that's why he's pissed at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what can I say? Do you take that personally? Or do you take any of the criticisms on board? No, or? you can't. You, you got to do what you do. And, uh, you know, listen, I mean, I've done six movies or whatever, seven. This is my seventh. I mean, sold $2 billion worth of tickets. I mean, at least someone's going to the movie. As with so many other Michael Bay films, this film is like, yeah, fuck. So, yeah, it had a $150 million budget. Okay, well, the, so did the, uh, the Irishman cost streaming, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, the Irishman probably cost more. <laughs> yeah, maybe, uh, but even so, they're, yeah, they're yeah, pretty expensive films. Yeah, obviously, like so many of Michael Bay's films, the film is aimed at the widest possible audience. And what is the widest possible audience in terms of countries in the world? Yeah, yeah here's a question for you. Uh, is it the Chinese? It is indeed the Chinese. Yeah, if you want if you want your film to be massively successful, you got to have something for the Chinese in there. So, yeah. obviously, despite the fact that the, like the film basically it's premised upon this underground network led by like a sort of Elon Musk type, played by Ryan Reynolds. How many billionaires do you actually know? You've heard of Elon Musk, Bill Gates? That's the fuck it. Okay, of course you haven't heard of me before. That's how I like it. I'm a good inventor. Created a lot of tech, tracking, and hiding digital trails of people. Some I even sold to the CIA, where I met some interesting people. Did some adventurous shit. But slowly I cleaned house and I had other ideas. Used my money to help people in bad situations. But I realized my billions, that's not enough. Governments don't really help people in need. So I said, fuck the government. I'm gonna do this myself. They're trying to get rid of the dictator of a made-up Istan called Turkistan. Not Turdistan, is it? That would be a bit on the nose. <laughs> Turkistan. This is how to stage a coup in three not-so-easy steps. All right, you got a country, Turkestan, yeah? These are the people, nice people, going about, doing their thing. And you got the four generals. Quattro cunts. Very bad guys. But there's one worse guy. That's the piece of shit dictator. Right there at the top. 
don't forget his brother. Democracy-loving brother. He's the key. So we're gonna hit the four generals. They're gonna lead us to the brother. You kill top generals? You fuck a dictators, eh? Second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna free the brother. And the last thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna say goodbye to piece of shit dictator. And hello to democracy-loving brother. And when they first cut to Turkestan, there's like the, the music that comes in, like... <laughs> Just the stock, right. spooky Middle Eastern music to <laughs> signify that you're no longer in the Western world. <coughs> then there's like a long sequence of fucking Rambo 4 style fictional atrocities footage laid out in painstaking detail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at all these children getting gassed or something. What do they do? There's I like think a... it was gassing, yeah. Yeah, there's like a chemical weapons attack that the dictator does on his own people, and he spends the yeah, whole time very, very saying... Very Assad, you know? Yeah, he's like, they are no longer my people. He says all this stuff the whole time. On the Turkestan border, hundreds of thousands are fleeing Rovark's range. Military targets the aid workers. Rovark's military targets these secret hospitals the world sits on the sidelines and he's got obviously a quote-unquote democracy loving brother which is very sensible isn't it like keep it in the family let's not have something yeah. outside of the, that the, the dynasty lead the country and yeah right. fuck knows what democracy loving and it's also means. just so black and white isn't it yeah <laughs> evil brother good brother yeah <laughs> democracy not democracy <laughs> so yeah these guys are they're so incredibly opposed to authoritarianism in all its forms so obviously they want to get that chinese coin so they go out to china <laughs> and they have a big fight with loads of chinese people in you know like a big hotel it's basically like the scene they did in china for skyfall or one of the bond movies where oh, yeah. um, <laughs> everyone was like wow Look at that. It's a really artily shot punch-up sequence. But I was, like, watching it thinking, they are really targeting that market. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, yeah, they do one of these things where it's in a big skyscraper and they're all killing the Chinese guys. And then... So they've been, like, wisecracking with pop culture references the whole film in a very tarantino-esque way i am kind of a sucker for references i like tarantino level but oh my god like every other line of dialogue is just here's a reference here's another one and then one of them would be like what and ryan reynolds would just be like fucking millennial pussies or something yeah (laughs) so many like kids these days the pussy generation it's like did clint eastwood do advisory work on the screen of course we're living sort of a more of a pussy generation now. Oh man, it's a really, really badly written film. Like, I'm continually astonished by how Michael Bay just... <clears throat> always manages to find guys to write its films who are exactly as fucking dumb as he is. The Wait. broadest reference is possible. It's all just like Star Wars and things everybody will have seen, of course. Yeah, well, apart from or the millennials, least heard the pussy generation, yeah, they, they the may not be aware, but they're, yeah. they're sheltered, you know, in their safe spaces and so on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they're all fucking up the Chinese guys, they're all taking them on and they kill so many people in the scene. Then Ryan Reynolds is about to kill this one guy and he says something like, see you later, Chan, as in, I think what he meant was that because the guy he's like a chinese guy who's fighting it's like jackie chan you know yeah hey 
champ, what's up? And my theory is that this blatantly racist joke was genuinely an attempt to insert a pop culture reference a la the Tarantino-esque ones they have for the American audience that may potentially resonate with the Chinese audience. Knowing Michael Bay, I really, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, yeah, because you, like, you said... Oh, the Chinese um, will love this joke. Yeah. <laughs> you said, oh, don't worry, they'll edit that out for China. And I was like, no, they won't. That's, that, that's for China. <laughs> that's their for China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's like an excruciating yeah. film. The politics of the, the coup. So they're doing like a Mark Thatcher, Equatorial Guinea style coup um, <laughs> in this made up <laughs> Stan country led by a murderous dictator who is, he's a real sensible centrist in a way because he's <laughs> backed by both America and Russia. Which he thinks will keep him safe because that always is the case. The throne is not yours or mine. It belongs to the people. The people. Yes, brother, the people. Like there's some sacred body. Instead of a violent, ignorant, illiterate mob who just begs for the whip. These shameful chemical attacks of yours, you're making me more popular than yourself. These attacks on my generals will only increase the frequency of my chemical strikes. It may take years, but they will carve you up for all the beautiful things you have done for these people. Who? The US? They made me. Russia? They armed me. It's like Jimmy Hoffa in The Irishman. They wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these Clint Eastwood type lines throughout it, like governments don't do shit for people. Governments don't help people. Fuck governments. There's literally, there's one incredible line, which is like, it's a world covered in red tape. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> the world is wrapped in red tape and I couldn't cut through it even with a billion dollar sword. The stuff that you're complaining that you're not allowed to do is just like launch coups in countries <laughs> where like about six people not from that country overthrow the leader and install <laughs> his quote unquote democracy loving brother, which is like a recipe that has worked so well in <laughs> say Equatorial Guinea with Mark Thatcher and his mates, let alone what it's been done on a wider scale, all the coups done by the CIA and so on. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, I... like Saddam Hussein. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, stuff. that's on a, a much wider scale, yeah. But I don't know. What did you think of, like, the international politics of the film? I mean, I think it, like, goes without saying that they're incoherent, but... Uh, yeah, uh, ill thought out. That's another <laughs> way of putting it out. Probably not really thought about. I doubt Michael Bay really does think much about politics. That's not to say that his politics aren't atrocious. But well, sort. China are the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> he's of the sort where he accidentally has atrocious politics because he probably doesn't think about this stuff much and is just a dick. Yeah, I think he's a Republican. I think it's been oh, yeah. confirmed that he is, he gotta is be. right wing. Gotta Michael, be. Michael Bay Republican. When I say he doesn't think about it, he may well think about it in his personal life, but I mean in terms of his art, I think he's like... No, I just make films that are really cool. <laughs> His last film was about fucking Benghazi. So... <laughs> <laughs> was it? Oh my god, I missed yeah. that one. Yeah, so I think that was uh, really... 
it came out catch up i am no longer the resident michael bay expert (laughs) came out in like january 2016 or something so yeah he released that in time to affect the 2016 election (laughs) totally (laughs) dinesh d'souza was it just called benghazi or what it was called 13 hours i think now the only thing that i saw that i thought was unfair to you i i don't understand the politically divisive line in the new york times um but be that as it may forbes magazine usually not crazy uh came out and said that this movie would alienate people who liked hillary clinton and liberal people i didn't see it that way you didn't even mention hillary clinton in the movie did you no we didn't we were just saying the facts okay so you stayed away from that because it's a movie you want people to go see the movie you don't want them divided right. up online it, and it, it, here's the thing the, the politics got in the way of this great human story that happened and uh, this is really to honor these type of men that do this every day that put themselves in harm's way um, that's what this movie's about okay but it makes the uh, Muslim fanatics look terrible villainous awful savages mm-hmm. And a lot of people object to that, you know. Well, they attack. They attack. I can't say I've seen it, but yeah. Oh, I think I have heard of it. Yeah, but I've not seen that yet. Yeah, they probably offered it to Clint after American Sniper, and he 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 wanted to make the Mule instead or something. What? No, sorry. In 2016, Clint would have been working on American Sniper. No, he would have finished American Sniper. No, that yeah, that was that was 2014. It's the biggest, the most financially successful film of 2014. What did Clint... Was it Sully? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clint was working on Sully in 2016, which was a very mediocre film. But again, he really stuck it to the bureaucrats in this one. So Clint was really channeling 3-6 Mafia or whatever the fucking Michael Bay film's (laughs) called. He really hit out at the world covered in red tape in Sully. Yeah. (laughs) So... When everything went wrong, six men had the courage to do what was right. (laughs) There's the interesting... That's the tagline for 13 hours oh wow six he likes yeah gangs of six teams of six (laughs) he's found the formula no no more no fewer six yeah never mind i was gonna make some shit joke about pain and gain only having three main characters but yeah Yeah, so like do we have any more thoughts on uh three six mafia man a nigga pass me a blunt man like smoke this shit nigga this on that bin laden weed y'all know nothing about this shit down south so I'm like, what? What the fuck has been Latin Week? I liked how it wasn't as long as his other films. Oh, yeah, that was great. Only two hours and six minutes, I think. Yeah, something close to that, yeah. Yeah, that was blessed, man. I that seem really to good. recall each Transformers movie lasting for approximately a million hours. <laughs> oh, wow, he shot a load of it in United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi. So he's um, <laughs> definitely, I reckon, like he got a tax break from their despotic government or something. Probably. The UEA yeah. military worked with the crew. I'm sure a, <laughs> oh, a definitely. Great, a great bunch of lads. Because we, <laughs> we, we know that his films are already approved by the US military and the Chinese military. <laughs> but apparently the UEA military provided soldiers as extras as well as aircraft <laughs> to appear in the film. Which definitely means that they vetted the script and <laughs> let him know if there was anything objectionable in there. <laughs> Michael Bay's goal is to work with every arm 
armed force in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, if There's you... There's no we... cop I don't want to work with. <laughs> if we really want to get into auteur theory, then we can just credit, like, the international war machine as the true author of Michael Bay's work. <laughs> we must car- guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. <laughs> I... I'm not sure I can think of much, but I'll do the thing where I just have a look through my conversation with you to see if I said anything else about it. Yeah, okay, so I wanted to ask you, actually, in terms of the vulgar auteurism thing. You did your dissertation on how Michael Bay and Zack Snyder are vulgar auteurs. Did you feel that this film bore all the hallmarks of full-bore Michael Bay? 100%. 100%. At the time I wrote my dissertation in... 2014 i had seen every michael bay film up till then yeah six underground completely felt like a michael bay movie you knew from the beginning with all the good and the bad the slickness that visual hyper like you say informative it's interesting but also and Mm. also of course all the bad things all 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 the the terrible scripting and, uh, <laughs> Why was there so yeah. much fucking Muse on the soundtrack, man? Oh Me- man! You know the yeah. the British rock bands. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan. They're very like Queen, Pink Floyd for me. Yeah, yeah. I, for me they sound the songs that they use in the film by Muse sound so much more generic than the proggy stuff that I remember from doing back in the day. Like, <laughs> they've all got these kind of, like, big dance beats and stuff, and it really... St- I mean, I must have missed it because I was never that into them anyway, but, yeah, I guess Muse sold out at some point over the last <laughs> couple of years and just right. started, started making awful EDM-influenced crap. But, yeah, Michael Bay... Yeah, because it's weird. In Baby Driver, the film that obviously is plagiarising for at least the first 20 minutes, you yeah. know, Edgar Wright, it's not necessarily my favourite songs in Baby Driver, but they're all a variety of different classics. Not classics, you know, but whatever. You might consider guilty pleasures and all sorts of stuff. But in the Michael Bay film, they all kind of feel the same. If they're not by Muse, then they feel tonally the same as the Muse songs, you know? Yeah... Yeah, I'm just looking through the soundtrack of the movie now, and the only title I'm recognizing is Lose Yourself by Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that they have that scene. They have all these really lame jokes that they're just that kind of like quick fire thing. I, w- I wish I could remember more of the specifics, but there's some really cringeworthy stuff. But it just reminds me of in The Avengers or something where they'll squeeze in a quick overdubbed gag before the explosion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have one where one of the guys is like, you've got to do the thing. And then the other's like, isn't that a quote from Eminem? And he's like, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) They will catch all of us. Can I ask you something? If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything that you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or let it slip? Was that a... Was that Eminem? Yes. We gave me fucking goosebumps. I guess they used the actual song as well. Yeah, I was just reading through some reviews. I won't really mention them because they were too positive, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) they made an interesting point that Six Underground might actually be more of a Michael Bay film than past ones. And I think it does ring true 
because it seems like the streaming format kind of influenced things in that you can turn off a streaming movie anytime and you've lost nothing, you know? Whereas at a movie cinema, you've paid for the ticket, you got to sit through the movie if you want to get your value. And so to combat that, it's argued that Michael Bay was even more intense with the action, constant action in this movie than in previous movies, just to make sure you don't get bored for even five seconds. And from what I saw, yeah, it's pretty true. Like, even in most Michael Bay movies, there's moments where things slow down so you can catch your breath and think for a second. But, oh my God, it was one thing to the next. Every scene was like, okay, we're doing something else. We're doing something else. We're doing something else. It was really hard for me to keep up. I struggled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing, actually. I was saying it's so fast-paced that if I was rolling a zoot and I looked away from it for a... Yeah. Just, just, you know, just like 30 (laughs) seconds while I was, like, licking the paper or something. Yeah, filling my bong, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Man, so that shit is like three different kinds of weed, man, grown all together. He said that shit's some straight killer. Chicago niggas name that shit Bin Laden weed, man. Some straight fire. Who got that? Yeah, literally, I'd miss like a whole load of stuff. That's what I'm saying with it. Just the incredible amount of visual information that he manages to pack into like a few seconds. Yeah. So, simultaneous props and fuck you, I guess. It's cool that he was able to do that, but also horrible, and why nobody else does it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, worst film ever. That was yesterday, I guess. Yeah, truly atrocious. Fuck, man. Fuck, I hated it so fucking much. More or less than Six Underground? Oh, way more, way more, man. Six Underground is like two stars, whereas yesterday is one star of that. Six Underground is at least, it's exciting, you know? <laughs> it's got, it's, yeah. got, it's, it's fucking, uh, like, like you were saying, it's non-stop action. And so if you want stupid Michael Bay stuff, I guess both are works of vulgar auteurism. In yesterday's case, <laughs> I, feel, I don't really view Danny Boyle as much of an auteur. I feel like every no. one of his films is, is quite different and he does pre-existing properties. Like, he kind of doesn't write... I, I do own... feel he's more... Uh, even as someone who's a bit more of a Danny Boyle fan than you, he's more of a transparent sort of director than an auteur. Yeah, a journeyman. Whereas yeah. Richard Curtis, I think, does have an auteuristic stamp, and I think it can be felt in Yesterday. And hey, man, it turns out I prefer Michael Bay's auteuristic stamp <laughs> to that of Richard Curtis. Yeah, Richard Curtis should do a fucking Benghazi film. <laughs> let's, see, let's see that. Let's see who gets together at the end <laughs> Hillary Clinton's like don't worry Donald you can have the presidency I know I've always been number two for the American people yeah. uh, so, some Trump Clinton slash fiction yeah. yeah check out Six Underground if you're really bored and you want to watch Michael Bay film yeah 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 if you just need two hours of like mindless stuff that still does require a bit of like effort to concentrate on to be honest because it yeah it's like being machine gunned by shots you know well just yeah lasers into your eyeball oh god yeah tell me about it keep pumping out shit and it just might shine 
like the last piece of copper at the bottom of the mine. A little dirty picture, but you'll be number four if you get it on the market on time. Get it on the market on time. There's less value to things these days. Don't always pay instantly, but you're still always gonna pay. Constant production till eventually something comes along and tune to your ways. Cause by process of deduction, inevitably, the monkey's at the typewriter find a way to phrase the materials at hand in a relatable way. It's bound to happen. Bound to happen eventually. The monkey's at the typewriter's thought of something better than TV. Like this kind of thing, I admit, but it's got all the components that compel me to sit on my ass and stand in line. The machine's outdone itself this time. Gotta hand it to them, over my soul I will sign. Do the monkeys at the typewriter and inside my mind? I applaud you, comrades. You nailed it this time. It was bound to happen. To happen along the way But a shining piece of shit Still shit at the end of the day When do you want to do the ones that you've watched recently But we've maybe already discussed on the show? Yeah, I mean, if you want to bang that out quickly. There's one more film you saw that Tom and I have already covered on the podcast. We did about an hour and a quarter on this, so uh, I don't think we'll spend the best portion of the episode on it, but Joker. Yeah, I agree with you guys. You've been red pill. <laughs> You've started shooting people up, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, mass murder is the only way to go politically. Oh, that's what the film was saying, fundamentally. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I'm not sure. One of you probably already said something to this effect, but thinking back on it, and how fascist the Batman films were. Pretty fascist. It, it, it was pretty inevitable that Joker was going to be at least all right politically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the anti-Batman film, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it played things pretty well. Even surrounding issues like mental health and stuff, I thought it did a decent job of handling, especially for a mainstream film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have much to add from what I know you've already said, but good stuff uh, <laughs> yeah i liked it, it man enjoyable superhero related film wow it was gonna happen eventually if they just keep making them then by law of averages it's like monkeys at a typewriter you know <laughs> right right oh yeah citizen above suspicion that's the, yeah. the freshest in my mind since in... i watched that literally this morning yeah okay uh, full title investigation of a citizen investigation above suspicion of a... 
Yeah, I do keep shortening it when I write it because fuck that. Yeah, me, well, me too. I've got it written down on this piece of paper in pink felt tip as uh, citizen fact, above suspicion. In, in my notes, I didn't even write out citizen. I just wrote C above suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. C. Lion Geraint's alias is very much above suspicion. But thoughts about it? It was really good. I enjoyed... Oh my gosh, I do really like the theme tune. It just keeps playing throughout the music. Very catchy. And the whole film... There was a lot of times I was not going into this film expecting to laugh much, but I, I it was it was a pretty funny film in like a satirical sense, you know? Oh, absolutely, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a wild comedy. Almost like in the vein of Parasite, the Bong Joon-ho film that like yeah. everyone, including Barack Obama, really loved this year. Um, <laughs> that is, you know, it's just a no-holds-barred, like, Marxist, at-your-throat-but-like-laugh-a-minute <laughs> kind of fucking real balls-to-the-wall film. Right, exactly. <laughs> At your throat, balls to the wall, laugh a minute, let's see how many cliches I can fit into my description of this film. <laughs> and it was just everything you expect out of Italian cinema. It was very sexy. It was. It was thrilling. Everyone's dressed very nicely. <laughs> oh, love, lovely clothes, of course. Uh, not nice sets, I find. It's all set in like quite yeah. pokey rooms. There's the exterior shot where he's... Is he going to murder his mistress or from murdering his mistress but either way that looks very nice the exterior there but like all the police i feel i'm not slagging it off i think it's probably done for dramatic effect but all the police rooms are yeah. these cold bureaucratic soulless rooms right and oh my god that scene at the end where he's just trying to convince the higher-ups i did this thing yeah ah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got no evidence like just a complete inversion of a courtroom yeah or something. and they're all was, laughing at him i love that they <laughs> yeah. were just at that he hands them photographs and they tear them apart yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just refuse to believe him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a brilliant film. And, just... and then it ends with that Kafka quote. I forget the exact wording, but basically summing up the film that a policeman is not really beholden to their own laws. Yeah, man, you know. yeah, that, <laughs> exactly. I didn't remember that quote, but yeah, that's a brilliant, brilliant film directed by Elio Petri and with a score, which you mentioned as very catchy, didn't you, a minute ago, like by yeah, Ennio Morricone. I, mean, I wouldn't say it was like super diverse. Like I kept hearing boing, the same boing, sort of... boing, boing, boing. Yeah, that one. But, it's oh so weird. <laughs> very weird as you say and, and catchy in a weird way yeah it's like i swear if there's an italian film that i'm interested in from a certain period <laughs> it's like a 50 50 chance that morricone composed the music for it like i was watching i knew he did the that films obviously he composed all the sergio leone stuff but i was like you know when i watched the great silence by sergio corbucci the second best sergio who directed spaghetti westerns <laughs> like yeah that that had a score by morricone and then it turns out like he did teo Reimer as well by pasolini i'm not sure if he did salo <laughs> no i don't think i'm not i don't think pasolini did uh, no obviously pasolini did direct salo i mean i don't think morricone did the score to salo does salo even have a fucking score i'm not so sure and then that's not even getting into like the american films he did like <laughs> in the line of fire starring clint eastwood or warren Beatty's bullworth 
or directed by another Marxist Italian director, The Battle of Algiers by Gillo Pontesorvo. Oh yeah, good film. An all-time classic film. So I can't recommend Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion highly enough. What else have you watched? I guess I'll mention Malcolm X next. Great film. Um, Yeah, it's another one of those films that just has these brilliant little nuggets of fantastic politics every now and then like just oh that that's good that's that's a good take sir not saying of course that <laughs> it's all good politics with the nation of islam is that <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 the nation of islam yeah they, Hel- they headed by pretty dodgy views like the honorable Ari. elijah muhammad i believe yeah <laughs> and he was the one who probably had malcolm x killed yeah. am i right and had like loads of illegitimate children despite everything that he professed and (laughs) yeah like i was saying nation of islam of course has had some anti-semitism going on i yeah very bad gender politics but i know i know they have been an important part of the civil rights struggle in american society oh yeah exactly and definitely in terms of racial politics the film is just full of good stuff really about three hours long isn't it a real historical epic from spike lee who spike lee is um uh, like a scorsesean director and just like the hyper kineticism of his work like every stylistic trick in the book he's gonna wow you with it and if the material's great then you know fine let him wow me you know spike is best as a master i've enjoyed pretty much every film i've seen of his 25th mm. hour chirac really good uh, films chirac maybe didn't do it as much for me as some of the others but 25th hour is really good you know i love obviously do the right thing yeah. you know I, I thought black Klansman was again not like my favorite but still really good jungle fever is excellent i like clockers which is a spike lee film that he did in 95 directed by scorsese sorry not directed produced by scorsese <laughs> and i'm kind of like a uh, little i know that one uh, it's pretty decent it's a it's fa- fairly pulpy crime uh crime film based on a book by richard price who uh, he was a writer on The Wire, and I think he's written a lot of hard-boiled crime movies and books. But yeah, you know, I think Spike Lee is just a super talented director. The material hasn't always been there for him, but actually, if I want to make a Spike Lee recommendation, well, like, firstly, I'm a little bit of a bamboozled apologist. It's a terrible <laughs> film in a lot of ways, but it's such a bold and audacious film, and it says some really daring things about race in america and how u.s pop culture has reinforced (laughs) racism through the years and also check out his two documentaries 2006 is when the levees broke and 2010's if god is willing and decreed don't rise cumulatively about eight hours of material that deals with hurricane katrina and its aftermath and lee's politics can unfortunately these days descend a bit into liberal sloganeering but whilst he reserves the majority of his ire for the Bush administration, particularly in the former documentary. If God is willing and decreed don't rise, actually isn't afraid to take on the Obama administration for their neglect of New Orleans in the aftermath of Katrina, after they got into government a few years following it. So, Spike Lee, interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's Good one. Stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could also quickly just mention Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Oh, of course, another classic that you watched. Which you've seen ages ago, I'm sure, right? I've seen it a uh, number of times, yeah. <laughs> oh, you've seen it a few, okay. Yeah, obviously a quite rightly controversial figure, but Klaus Kinski, of course, gives a good performance in there. Who would have thought an unhinged person would be really good at playing an unhinged person? I feel you know? like Kinski... <laughs> He really did channel his madness into out-of-this-world performances, and I feel like he probably contributed nothing else to society in his existence. (laughs) And it's incredible that he lived till about 60 without getting murdered. Um, (laughs) But still, nonetheless, you know, those performances are completely earth-shakingly intense. Well said. Did you think that there were a couple of, like, weird... Monty Python and the Holy Grail kind of like comedy moments in there like when, <laughs> yeah. when some guy gets shot and he goes like I, do, I can't remember exactly what happens do like crosses <laughs> come over his eyes or something uh, I'm not sure I noticed that specific one but yeah I, I know kind of what you talked about there was definitely times I was laughing when yeah when they're invading one of those villages and you know that's not good but then <laughs> they are like Oh, they're cannibals, and they just, like, run away, cannibals, because they found some skulls. Yeah. Like, like, uh... I was just like, (laughs) you guys have a cannon, and you just beat them. Like, you were fine, but... Yeah. Yeah. You're so afraid. Melted. Uh, Early on, with that... I don't know what the animal's called. That guy was just showing the lady that cute little fuzzy thing, and he's saying how it sleeps all the time. All it does is sleep. I, I don't know. Some cute little jungle animal. It, it was it was so adorable. Uh, um, I need to find out what that thing is. <laughs> well, was it dead? No! Just, That's remarkable. Because just... a couple of decades later, that, that animal would have probably appeared in a Herzog film, on the ground, dead, with a voiceover. Like, <laughs> I believe the common denominator of the universe is not harmony, but chaos. Hostility and murder. (laughs) How was Herzog's performance in The Mandalorian? I was just about to bring that up. (laughs) I was just watching it because my kid brothers were just convincing me to, basically. And I had no idea that Werner Herzog was going to be in it. And then he just (laughs) shows up as the main bad guy for most of it. Uh, I was oh, brilliant, great. And yeah, he does all right in it. As the performance goes, it was pretty good. It's pretty classic Herzog in just lots of like monologuing and stuff like that, you know. But oh, my favorite Herzog is actually suffer from being, you know, have just you... Star Wars shit to fill up their Disney streaming app. I bet, uh, yeah. I've heard it's better than a lot of the recent Star Wars stuff. I enjoyed it, and I was more open to it than most because as a kid I was quite into Star Wars, and Boba Fett was definitely my big character, and this is obviously inspired by that character. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll give this a chance. Well, it, John, it was fun. Like, John Favreau, it, it fun. who wrote and directed The Mandalorian, he's a bit of a hack, really. His yeah. last personal project he did was Chef, which I thought was like the most fucking shite, self-satisfied bunch of 
crap I've ever seen. I think I missed that one. Oh, it's rubbish. And then um, <laughs> he, he's since then gone on to do the semi-live-action Lion King and shit like that. So, like, really uh, just sold yeah. out. So this could actually be his more personal project. Like, if he's, re- <laughs> if he's really into Star Wars, then this could actually be him doing something that's got a bit more heart and soul to it, you know. I was just going <laughs> to say that my favourite Werner Herzog acting performance is in have you seen the tom cruise films jack reacher no i've seen no, both of I, th- them. I remember you mentioning the herzog performance in it though. yeah herzog shows up in jack reacher one as the bad guy and he's actually not in it that much i felt like they really kind of o- yeah there. they oversold his performance i thought but like <laughs> he shows up at one point and does a monologue about how in siberia we had to do a bite off our own hand or something. No, wait, you, I can't remember. <laughs> Basically, he's like, I had to cut off my own hand for some reason. And then uh, <laughs> and then he's like, but I did not have a knife. So I bit off my hand. <laughs> it's just jokes, man. Wow. I actually thought Jack Reacher 2 was decent, even without Van Herzog. It might just be because, like, you know, when you got movies like Tom Cruise in them, you can't lose. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I was in prison in Siberia. I spent my first winter wearing a dead man's coat, a hole in one pocket. I chewed these fingers off before the frostbite could turn to gangrene. These I gave up to avoid working in the sulfur mine. That is how I survived when so many others did not. A man this rare can always be of use. So show me. Show me you're rare. Show me you'll do anything to survive. I don't understand. The fingers from your left hand. (laughs) You got a knife? Did I have a knife in Siberia? <sighs> no. Come on, you gotta you got, you got be kidding. You can do it. Show me. So, any more hurts? This is all of the me catching up on stuff you've already seen. <laughs> okay, I guess we can move on then. Alright, man. Good to talk. <laughs> yeah. Farewell. Peace. Peace. Speak soon.
It's crowdsourcing. 